This is episode 17, the Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast, Monday, September 19th, 2022. Insight, perspective from members of the Annex Wealth Management investment community. Joining us today, Trevor Nargis, a trader and research analyst. Hello. Hey, good morning. And uh, Blaine Disrude, CFA, trader, research analyst. Welcome. Hi, Danny. Blaine, let's jump into strengths here, and I'll let you take it away first. Big strength that I had was consumer spending continues to be strong. We've had inflation, and that inflation has been heavily talked about, heavily watched. The concern there is that it really puts that pinch on the consumer down the road. One thing that's been bucking that trend is the the spending, that the consumer has actually kept up with that. Uh, We've seen increases month over month here over the last several quarters. And I certainly think that that's something in, in our notes here, we'll get into that a little bit later about the potential outlook on the consumer and whatnot. But obviously, yes, the consumer has been really resilient here. And that has somewhat translated into uh, corporate earnings being a little better than anticipated. Corporations have continued to navigate inflationary pressures very well thus far. And we've seen that with earnings coming in quite strong. Now, obviously, again, I, I think I'll kind of stop myself here before I, I start getting into it. But the concern there is obviously slowdowns slow down with consumers, right? That can translate into lower earnings going forward. So I'll jump into the next point I have here, just a strong dollar in general. I think that's a strength for the U.S. as a relative oasis compared to the rest of the world. Um, So obviously something that we're watching there. I think the last point that I had from an international standpoint, something that we've been talking about as an investment committee, is kind of the strength of picking out certain spots in the international markets that do look attractive. You know, obviously we still think that, like I just said, we still think the U.S. is a relative oasis, but there are some spots in international economies that do still look somewhat attractive on a relative basis compared to their other international counterparts. I think one of those would be Japan right now. Typically, corporations that denominate their earnings in the Japanese yen, they tend to get hit on the chin a little bit harder during slowdowns. But right now, the economic outlook in Japan is actually quite strong compared to the likes of European markets, things like that. And a big component of that is how they're dealing with inflation right now and what inflation is at year over year in Japan. You know, you're sitting at about one and a half percent right now compared to, you know, close to eight in the U.S. You're looking at anywhere from 10 to up to like 15% over in European economies. So I think that that's something to keep an eye on. And obviously with inflation being low and kind of really good corporate discipline, corporate balance sheets are strong over there. Buybacks have been increasing. So definitely something to note and something that we're going to keep an eye on. But we can pivot into weaknesses here. Yield curve inversion. We've seen the yield curve, the two-year yield versus the 10-year yield inverted for some time and it's widened and I don't see that necessarily changing for quite a while here just given the fact that the Fed is likely to raise rates again this week. The 10 years climbing closer to three and a half percent but we got the two year trying to push towards four percent. I mean the market's now starting to price in over four percent potentially on the Fed funds rate so with the idea that those rate hikes should slow growth going down the road, that 10 year is going to have a hard time getting up and above uh, where the two year is at. Well, and on the yield curve inversion note, I mean, that's that's going to be the main thing for people to take away, right? Is that the annualized yields on those shorter term bonds are a lot higher than those longer term ones. And obviously that anticipates the likelihood for lower rates in the future. 
And that's why people are kind of allocating capital to that shorter end of the curve. Uh, they're being compensated more for shoring up some of that money right now as opposed to going further out the curve and taking on more duration. Let's talk about that. The whole idea of the Fed hiking rates, bringing in quantitative tightening is to reduce demand going forward, right? The idea that money on the short end of the curve will incentivize people to, instead of go spending it, I'm actually just going to put it in my, my bank account right. or my savings account or, you know, actually buy a treasury, a short treasury or a money market and actually get some compensation for that. That right there is what pulls off demand and causes economic slowdown. Exactly. And then in terms of rates, savings, yields, uh, thinking of how that relates into the equity markets, that's another, I guess, weakness that I have jotted down right now is just the equity market sensitivity to interest rates. When you've had rates be as low as they have for as long as they have, the degree of the rate hikes that we've seen can definitely be felt. And we've seen that being priced in throughout the course of the year. And, you know, again, we see that with equities getting hit and we see that with fixed income getting hit this year. But I think ultimate takeaway is with those interest rates increasing, you know, when you do discounted cash flow analysis, um, obviously the denominator at which you're discounting earnings back is now higher, which means that earnings going forward are going to be lower, right? The cash flows coming in from that business are going to be lower going forward. And that's really why, you know, you've seen uh, the market take it on the chin this year, you've seen some of these high growth names really sell off. Ultimately, I think rate hikes and interest rates are a weakness in general for the equity markets. Not to say that, you know, when valuations do hit an attractive point on a wide scale, that that'll be an opportunity to start to put some money to work. But I think that can kind of take us into our next spot here as far as opportunities and where we potentially see some of those. So what do you have? I'm sorry, I'm laughing because I just got a headline uh, from Wall Street Journal that legitimately just said the yields and bonds are changing the calculus for stock analysis. So right on with what you were saying before. The opportunities. So given the fact that we've seen interest rates come up as much as we have, fixed income is starting to look attractive. We actually have positive real yields. The risks that are inside fixed income that have to be considered is the credit. As we go into a potential economic slowdown, there is need for quality in your fixed income, uh, quality bonds. So investment grade or even treasuries, agencies, uh, what have you. The real opportunity there comes from the fact that you can invest in a 10-year piece and get compensated north of 4 or 5% right now. And that we have not seen for 10 years. It's it's something that we are going back towards a quote-unquote normal market. We didn't have that for the last 10 years, given what the Fed had been doing. Yeah, and I think on that note, you know, if you're looking at investment-grade corporates, you know, you're yielding at about 4.9% right now compared to, you know, the earnings yield on the S&P is about 5.9. So, Yes, there's about 100 basis points different there, but think of the volatility associated with the equity markets compared to fixed income markets. You know, on a risk-adjusted basis, fixed income looks quite attractive right now. I think in terms of cash, you know, people holding cash as well are also being compensated a little bit more. You have money markets that are paying north of 2% right now. So people are actually, you know, earning somewhat of a return when it comes to holding cash. And I think that's something that could potentially kind of slow flows into the equity markets. I mean, as far as where to attack or like invest money on the curve, 
duration, we're looking at adding duration, and that is why would you go farther out the curve given the fact that short-term interest rates are are higher? And the whole idea there is if, if in fact, the Fed keeps hiking and they proceed with their tightening, that'll cause that economic slowdown, which puts a a real ceiling on the long-term rates, meaning that we're getting close towards a peak uh, in that long, longer-term bonds, and locking in those higher rates now is uh, an opportunity that we see. Yeah, and finally, on the equity side of things, you know, we've said this for multiple weeks. Still think that small caps and the relative valuations there are still quite attractive. Think longer-term prospects as far as going into you know a potential slowdown more insulation relative to their large cap counterparts from global slowdowns. I think the those underlying dynamics are somewhat attractive. And I think from an international standpoint, you know, we touched on the strength of Japan earlier. I think one thing to note, I state this as a quasi opportunity because I think that the underlying dynamics of the UK are very challenging right now. But I think that valuations in the UK are somewhat attractive going forward as well. You know, the FTSE 100 is trading at about nine times next year's earnings. You know, there's many shops on the street that see the UK somewhat as a relative oasis inside Europe compared to the likes of Germany and other many developed European economies. Obviously, the currency for the UK is a challenge there. But why that makes their equity markets attractive is that it is now, you know, cheaper for other economies to import UK goods. So definitely something that we're going to watch there. Blaine, what do you have for threats? The Fed has a lot more to do. Historically, the Fed and the Fed funds rate has had to get above where inflation is uh, to get inflation out of the system. So we're running at 8% for inflation, north of 8% uh, on an annualized basis. And the Fed funds rate is currently sitting at two and a quarter, two and a half, with the idea that they hike rates 75 basis points this week, which is what the main consensus is, uh, that gets us near 3%. They still have quite a bit to go. We are starting to see inflation, I want to say starting to see it roll over. The numbers haven't quite confirmed that, but it has slowed as far as what that rate of growth inside inflation is. So as inflation kind of comes down and the Fed's hiking, there'll be this cross where the Fed funds rate actually gets above inflation. Consequently, that typically leads towards a recession just because the Fed has hiked so much and tightened so much. But that is probably the biggest threat that we still have out there. And a tough thing there, we've, you know, we've talked about this as a committee, is that the Fed is watching lagging data. And so that's going to be something where they might get a little bit over their skis when it comes to hiking rates because they are looking at, you know, lagging lagging data such as unemployment and inflation, things like that. Definitely something to note there. I think on interest rates and how that relates to the equity markets, another threat would be just the low the low equity risk premium in U.S. equities right now. This is something I've been watching for a couple of weeks here, but um, still low on a you know, relatively long-term basis going back to about the 2000s level. The equity risk premium on the S&P 500 sitting around two and a half right now. You know, that moved a little higher in June because what the equity risk premium is, is you basically, you take the earnings yield and what that is, you take the earnings per share. And so we're just doing the S&P 500. So you take the earnings per share divided by the price level of the S&P 500 
that gets you your earnings yield. And then what you can do is you use the common risk-free rate and subtract that from the number that you just calculated. So you take the 10-year yield of a U.S. Treasury and subtract that from the earnings yield of the S&P 500. Back in June, we saw interest rates increasing. That helped move the equity risk premium a little bit higher. I think what could happen this next time around and what I see as a threat is the likelihood that earnings are going to need to come down. And you know, we've started to see some analysts change their earnings estimates and kind of revise those a little bit lower. But I think that that could be the next leg higher in the equity risk premium. What that means is a higher equity risk premium tends to result in lower prices in the broader market as a whole. Now, there's a positive spin zone there is that a higher equity risk premium, cheaper prices, lower valuations, that could be an attractive point to put some money to work. Um, but in the meantime, when that does need to move higher, you know, we do see that as a threat. Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast, we always wrap with our headlines. Let's go with headline strength. The consumer still spending. It's been pretty strong. Headline weakness. Yield curve inversions across many different points on the curve and the need for the Fed to continue to hike rates. What's the headline with opportunity? Real positive rates on fixed income, and those are looking pretty attractive. And our headline threat. Ultimately, the Fed still has more work to do uh, to try and bring inflation back in line and kind of cool demand. Blaine Disrude, CFA, Trader Research Analyst. Thank you. Thanks, Danny. Trevor Nargis, Trader and Research Analyst. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Annex Wealth Management, LLC, is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect on those of Annex Wealth Management, LLC. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation or a solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risk. Neither Annex Wealth Management LLC nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.